Blog Talk Radio. Everyone, welcome to Neil Thompson Speaks, where we talk to people who broke free of the corporate world shackles to start their own business. I'm your host, Neil Thompson, official corporate shackle breaker. Today's guest is Angela Copeland of Copeland Coaching. Angela studied engineering and is now a career coach, not exactly a linear career path. I'm interested to hear about her transition from engineering to career coaching, her motivation to become self-employed, and her future plans. Let's bring her in now. Hello, Angela. Welcome to Neil Thompson Speaks. Hi, Neil. Thanks for having me. Oh, yes. Thank, thank you. First question. As a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Wow, it's a really good question. Um, you know, as a kid, I really wasn't quite sure what was in store for me. And so my sort of plan was actually to become a photographer um, I started, you know, getting into photography at a really, really young age. And I think by the age of 11 or 12, I learned to develop photos in the darkroom. And by the time I was, I think, 15, I actually had a darkroom at home. So I was really trying to put myself in a position that by the time I graduated high school, I might have a career if I, if I needed to do that. Wow. That's pretty interesting for people <laughs> that are listening in. Uh, they probably don't even know what a dark room is. They're just used to shooting pictures with their iPhone or their Android. So there was a time when I you know. actually had to develop pictures. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really a fun time. Yeah, that, absolutely. I, I never had that skill uh, or, or even inclination, I think, of about it to develop a camera. I didn't get my own first camera until I was probably in my 20s. And it was just a wow. it was digital camera by then. It was a digital camera by then, no Polaroids. Right, right. <laughs> so from the bit of, of research that I did about you, you attended engineering school. I also attended engineering school, and I worked for a while as an engineer. Did you ever work as an engineer? So while I was in college, I actually worked three different times as an engineer. And uh, the first two times, I worked for General Motors. The first time, I was working redesigning parts on a quality team, uh, redesigning parts of the Chevy Malibu. So I worked in an actual manufacturing facility, and I designed a couple of different parts. Uh, I was 19, and uh, the one that went into production was actually the glove box. So <laughs> that was the sort of first engineering project that I ever had that was professional, I guess you could say. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, I, actually, I didn't do any sort of co-ops or when I was in engineering school. I, I just wanted to get out in four years. Eventually, what ended up happening is after four years, I ended up going to grad school anyway. So, I guess co-ops might have just prolonged my my misery. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, actually, I found it really fun. Uh huh. 
no, please go ahead. No, I found it really fun, especially sort of, you know, working in cars and working on the plant, you know, as I would redesign carts, you know, at my desk, I, you know, I had a, like a regular desk, like in an office, but I had at the desk, um, an actual Dremel and I could like cut things apart and put them back together. And, uh, I would actually ride around in the cars that was being assembled and take measurements at different points in the assembly process. And then, um, they had like a squeak and rattle track out in the back where I could drive the car around and see, you know, as I was redesigning that glove box, like, was it quiet or did it make noise? And um, it was a pretty fun first job. Yeah, that does sound interesting. You said you did three jobs, three engineering-related jobs while you were in school. What were the other two? Well, so two, the first two were with General Motors, and the third one was okay. actually with Westinghouse. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm assuming after you finished engineering school, you didn't take on an engineering job? That's right. So um, General Motors actually tried to convince me to come work for them uh, after engineering school, but they were interested to have me manage an assembly line. And my experience working there, although it was super fun, I was so young, people didn't really know kind of what in the world I was doing. And, like, they would see me, and it was, like, kind of misplaced. And so some of the assembly line workers would actually throw things at me, for example, to try to get my attention as I would walk by. And the thought at the time of sort of managing a group of these people that were so much older, <laughs> um, I just really, I really wasn't interested to do it. Um, also, I graduated right after the dot-com uh, bust, and I graduated with a computer and systems engineering degree. So kind of like computer programming and electrical engineering together, I graduated during a time when um, a lot of those website jobs had just gone away. So I had to, you know, be creative and learn, you know, to figure out what else could I do with my skills. Oh, okay. So what was, what was your first job after college? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> so right after college, I actually ended up coming um, to Memphis, Tennessee to work uh, at the FedEx headquarters, which is here in Memphis. And I was like a project manager for um, an IT group that uh, designed and built websites. So it was an area that I knew a lot about, but I was kind of like the person that um, was the in-between between sort of the marketing and business side and the technology development side. Interesting. So, so having a background in engineering was still useful in that position? It was really useful. It's, it's always been super useful because, you know, um, understanding how the websites were built, you know, I could have much more detailed conversations with developers, and it helped me, you know, as I would write business requirements to say, like, redesign a screen on a website, I really had a very good understanding of sort of how the mechanics worked, you know, what the de development team would be doing to make those changes. And so it was extremely, extremely helpful. It was even helpful in the interview, actually, um, the job required an MBA, and of course, not only did I not have an MBA, I was still finishing school when I was doing the interview, and they flew two other candidates in at the same time when there was just one job, so we had to kind of interview head-to-head -head and see who would get it. Um, I was probably 20 or 21, and the other candidates may have been like 40 years old, and they had MBAs. They were from Boston, and they were very, very smart, so I was completely intimidated, um, 
I found out that the job actually required an MBA, but at the end of the day, they had us do math problems during the interview, and I was actually the only one who got the math problems right. Uh, so I was the one who got the job offer of the three of us. <laughs> Imagine that. They used math to, to, to determine who would get the job for a, a, to get a product manager job. Was math, did yes. math figure heavily into your job? Well, it was a project manager job. So, you know, just being a critical thinker, understanding technology, you know, it, it was useful, I would say. You know, I think that level of um, analytical ability was very, very helpful in that role. Okay, yeah. Well, it seemed to have worked out for you, that's for sure, right? You did end up getting the job. Yeah, it was a really great job. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. If it was such a great job, why'd you leave it? Well, so it's a good question. So I went there with the intention to stay three years and to leave and go to business school. And I debated coming out of college if I should go straight and get my MBA. But I spoke to different schools and other people. And sort of the recommendation was, you know, if you work for a few years, it's really great to go back to business school because you come into discussions with your classmates having, you know, real-world experience as opposed to coming straight from college. And so when I went to FedEx, I went there knowing I would plan to stay for three years, had a really great experience, and then my manager there actually wrote me a recommendation letter to help me get into grad school. So I left uh, FedEx, and I moved to Los Angeles to attend grad school at Pepperdine. Whoa, that's a, that's a pretty big move, all the way from, from Central Time to Pacific Time. That's true, but I, you know, I had actually I went to college in upstate New York, so I was, I was making quite a few moves back then. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. From New York to upstate New York to Memphis to L.A., you're you're trying to cover the whole country. I did, I did, and when I worked for General Motors, one of the times I lived in Detroit, and when I worked at Westinghouse, I lived in Pittsburgh. So, you know, by the time I was, I don't know, 26, I had just moved so many times <laughs> in just a few years. Wow, that's, 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 that's crazy. Actually, I, I kind of have a similar story, too. I was in New York for a bit, and I was in, well, no, I was in South Carolina, then I was in New York, then I was in Boston, and now I'm, I'm here in, in San Diego. So I've, I've well, that's only two time zones. I, not, no mountain and no central. Just, just eastern and Pacific. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so but eventually, still a lot of moving. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a lot of moving. I um, definitely racked up a number of frequent flyer miles, that's for sure. Eventually, so, you know, you worked at all these various companies, but you come to the realization that you want to be self-employed. You have an MBA now. I'm guessing eventually, you know, Eventually, like I said, you, you, you go into self-employment. What motivated you to leave the corporate world behind and go into business for yourself? Well, so I would say that throughout my entire life, I've always been very entrepreneurial, even, you know, as a kid. When I was in high school, I started um, a volunteer group for – it was like a mentoring program for high school students in my school to be paired up with third graders that were kind of like high-risk third graders to mentor them um, during those years. And that was something that I just kind of created. And I think throughout my life I could probably reflect back on um, lots of situations where I helped to start something new. So when I went to business school to do my MBA, I actually, um, my MBA is in entrepreneurial management of all the things. Um, 
And at the time when I did my MBA, which was 2004, 2005, um, that was still a really new idea that you could get an MBA that was focused on entrepreneurship. But I didn't know exactly, you know, how I would end up in business, exactly what I would end up doing. Um, I have been involved in startups before and kind of the startup world, but I will say what really piqued my interest in career coaching, which is what my business is focused on now, um, was when I was in business school, uh, it was a similar experience that I had coming out of undergraduate school where I was out there interviewing and I was interviewing for all sorts of different kinds of jobs, whether it was marketing, operations, sales, project management, you know, I mean, I just, I found the process of interviewing to be really super interesting and fun. And what really kind of got the whole thing going, you know, I mentioned I was attending Pepperdine. Um, I was interested to work at The Gap, and they are headquartered in San Francisco. Um, so I thought that The Gap recruiters would come out to Malibu and talk with us, and we'd have a chance to interview. But it turned out they don't do that. But they do go to UCLA. <laughs> um, and so being the creative entrepreneurial person that I am, I went to the UCLA campus as if I were a UCLA student in order to secure an interview at the Gap. <laughs> and um, when sort of the career department and everything found out at Pepperdine, fortunately they were not upset with me. And they said, hey, do you think you could help some of, the, some of our other students find jobs? Could you come in and maybe give workshops about what it is that you're doing in your job search? And I found out back then that I really enjoyed helping other people find jobs, you know, as much as I enjoyed doing a job. Um, so, you know, becoming a career coach just kind of happened over time. Um, but it's something that really plays on a lot of my natural strengths and a lot of my natural interests. You know, that is so interesting of all the what you just said, you said that you found interviewing to be fun. You're probably the right. only person I've ever spoken to in my life to describe interviewing as fun. I loved it. I really, I found it almost like a game or like a challenge. Like you get to meet new friends at these companies. You get to learn about what these big companies do and what different departments do. I don't know. I thought it was really interesting. You know, even if I didn't get every interview, I still found the process to be interesting. Wow, fun! Yeah, I, I think you're on the in the minority on that one, Angela. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> well, you know what? You're right. That, that absolutely did show some entrepreneurial spirit of you to pre essentially pretend to be a UCLA student to get an interview with the Gap on the UCLA campus. I highly doubt mm -hmm. most people would have. Would, would have, you know, gone to those links. They probably would just said, well, they're not coming to Pepperdine, so I guess I'm not going to interview at the Gap. But good for you for, you know, pushing, you know, pushing past that and, you know, finding a solution. You know that's probably based on your engineering background. That's what we do. We uh, we're, we're, we're problem <laughs> solve. <true>. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's, that's, that's excellent. So for the people that are, are listening in who are interested in, in, you know, starting their own businesses, I know a issue that a lot of would-be entrepreneurs face – Frankly, a lot of current entrepreneurs space is is the fear of going off on your own. I'm curious as to whether you experienced any fear of, of leaving corporate America and starting your own business. And if you did, what did you do to get past that fear? 
So when I first finished graduate school, so I finished, uh, I was in a 20-month program at Pepperdine, and I ended up switching to a 14-month program, and I switched, or excuse me, and I, so I finished early. Um, when I came out of Pepperdine at that time, I decided, I actually turned down all the job offers that I got, and I was going to be self-employed back then. Um, at that time, I was doing digital marketing, and I started working for myself and, you know, was making money. But I had a very low risk tolerance to fear around money um, because I had just put myself through school, and so my cash flow was, like, very low. And after, I don't know, maybe a year or something, I decided to go back and get a job again um, because I just found it to be too stressful month to month to try to figure out, am I going to be able to pay the rent, you know, sort of a thing. Um, so when, I, when it came around this time, you know, the, the thing I think that was different for me was that I had worked for quite a while and I had a financial safety net and I just didn't have the same level of fear. And I would say also I kind of knew what I was getting into because I had done it before. And so I think, you know, sometimes if you don't hit it out of the park the first time, you know, you try again at another time or kind of from a different angle and sometimes you'll find that that works a little bit better. You know, that's, that's really good advice. There's some people out there who are interested in starting their own businesses. You know, if things don't work out the first time, don't just, you know, give up. Maybe you do have to go back and get a, a regular job or a corporation, but, you know, if you have another idea or, or even, even the same idea with more experience, maybe, you know, it'll work out the second time around. That's, that's, that's good to know. Yeah, and I think it's also helpful. Say it doesn't work the first time, it's, like, really to reflect on why. Like, did you have a fear, like, my fear being fear around money? And if so, like, what could you do to, you know, to help that? Or, you know, what could you do to create a buffer for yourself? Um, or, you know, for a lot of entrepreneurs, it's really hard because, you know, think about it if you're, like, a dentist, for example. Dentists learn how to clean teeth and fix teeth, and then you go into business, and all of a sudden you have to deal with personnel issues and tax issues and all these like, business issues that are unrelated to being a dentist. Um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs face that challenge, that the thing that you're really good at is like a small part of the business, and then you have all this other stuff that you have to figure out that's really tough. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I'm coming across that all, you know, right now. So mm-hmm. you obviously you used to be, you know, in engineering. You did a bunch of different jobs that had nothing to do with engineering. Eventually you become a, a career coach. You start your own company, Copeland Coaching. Tell us about Copeland Coaching. What do you do for clients? Oh, thanks. Yeah, so Copeland Coaching is obviously my business, and I help job seekers. A lot of – I help them sort of identify a new job path, and I help them with, you know, things from – their resume, their cover letter, LinkedIn, really basic things that you want to kind of get nailed down. I also help them with much bigger things like strategy, like how to go, you know, around the online process, which often feels like a black hole. And I help them with things like negotiation and how to ask for more money um, and how to, you know, make bigger jumps financially when you switch jobs. Um, so it's, it's a really nice uh, experience to, you know, work one-on-one directly with clients. A lot of my clients are actually looking to take a similar path to the one that I took. They come in and they're saying, you know, I do this kind of job, maybe it's engineering and they want to switch to marketing. And they say, you know, Angela, how can I get there? And we work on 
you know, moving them in the new direction that they want to go. Oh, okay. That, that sounds that sounds pretty that sounds pretty interesting. I know for you know from personal experience, jumping from from job to job, well, not jumping, but moving from job to job, you know, the negotiating part was always a sticking point with me. You know, during the interview process, which you claim is so fun, they often ask you how much you. <laughs> you earned at your previous job and then I fully believe that they use that number to then determine how much they're going to pay you for, you know, the job that they're offering, even though, you know, the two numbers don't really, don't really are related to, they're not really related to each other, but I'm sure you help do or help your clients, you know, kind of navigate through all that, perhaps telling them don't reveal your current salary so you can get the bigger jump. I, pay. It's such a good question. I Totally agree, and especially when you switch industries, say you go from nonprofit to for profit, it's so unfair for the new company to base your new salary and your old salary. So it's a different job, a different industry, like a whole different pay scale. So, yeah, I actually advise clients to really avoid sharing how much they currently make if they can. Um, oftentimes, I will advise them, I'll kind of share language with them on how to ask that HR person, kind of turn it around and ask them to share their range with you. Like, how much do you want to pay for this job? <laughs> I mean, not asking quite that way. That's, you know, the information you're trying to get. And if they really demand a number from you, instead of giving your current salary, say, you know, my target range is and give what it is that you think is fair, what you really want to make in the future, not what you make now. I mean, it, it is very important that you're honest, so that, that's an important thing to keep in mind, that you can be honest without giving us that personal information. Oh, I, I fully agree. It, I, <laughs> that's why it's so interesting that you consider all this fun. This is all kind of like, just you said, strategy. It's a game. It's, you know, trying to figure out what's the best way to, to, to say something without saying anything at all. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. It's tough I mean, for me. I've kind of been Please focusing a little bit. Mm -hmm. No, please go ahead. Sorry, I've been focusing a little bit more, you know, recently on the topic of negotiation because, you know, from my personal experience, I mean, I could probably give other examples too, but I once negotiated my salary up 100%, so I doubled it. And then on two other occasions, I negotiated up over 50% each time. Um, and so, you know, when I'm advising clients, it's coming from a real place of, like, I've actually done this. <laughs> and, wow. you know, I've really been able to see a real difference for clients. I actually I have one client who we more than doubled the person's salary. And, of course, that's kind of an anomaly. I'm not, like, making promises. But um, this person was really open to trying this new way of negotiation, and it totally worked. And it was just it was so exciting for this person and their family. I'm sure it was a hundred percent. Good Lord, yeah, me, me, and you need to be friends for life. Uh, <laughs> my God, that's 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 excellent, man. Anybody here listening, you'll get her, you'll get Angela's uh, contact information at the end. Uh, so, for people that are contemplating going into business for themselves, you know, they're they're kind of on the fence and whether to make that leap or not. What advice would you have for them? You know, I think it's really important to get a support system around you. And if you can, before you just fully quit your job, you know, start doing it on the side and test it out. Be sure that this is something you really do feel like you can do. Um, and, you know, set up kind of an emergency fund for yourself because you will have good times, but you'll also have bad times, and you need to make it through both. Um, I'll say in my situation, 
Um, I was involved for a number of years in a startup technology incubator, and mm-hmm. that's actually where my, my office is located. It's inside this incubator, and I have a full private office just for myself. But the thing that is so great is the whole building is just startups, and they have a CEO there who is there to sort of listen when you have things going on that you aren't really sure how to handle business-wise, say it's like a tax question or something. And, you know, he's there to listen. He's there to connect you to resources. And so it really builds in this entirely new level of support. So I think a lot of times when you start a business, you tend to feel pretty alone. And especially if a lot of friends and family are in the corporate world, then it's kind of even more isolating if you don't have someone to call for help. Absolutely. Yeah, they can't relate, right? Mhm. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 excellent advice. So, for for where do you see where do you see Copeland Coaching going? What are your future plans? Oh, it's such a good question. Well, I really love you know working with clients, and I'm working more and more with clients all over the U.S. So, I hope to continue to expand that part of the business. In addition, you know, my background is very much around digital marketing. I know we talked about the engineering side, but for a number of years, I was a digital marketing executive before this. And so I really hope to be able to leverage that strength um, to put more and more content, you know, on my website and online that I can share with other people. I mean, currently I have an ebook and I have some other, you know, online resources, but I really hope to kind of grow that and make that a bigger part of the business. Wow, so engineering, digital marketing, you know, it's regular marketing, career coaching. You're a woman of many talents, Angela. <laughs> well, thank you. Where do you uh where can people find you? People can find me at copelandcoaching.com, C O P E L A N D coaching.com. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter. Everything is under Copeland Coaching and on Twitter it's Copeland Coach. Um, you can reach out to me on my website. My phone number is there. Um, you can even find me on Amazon. I, I have my ebook, and soon my ebook will be in paperback. Um, those are all available. Um, but you can even just Google Copeland Coaching. It'll come right up. Okay, excellent. Well, for anyone who's listening in, you have Angela's contact information. You may very well may want to get in touch with her. She may be able to raise your salary by 100%. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for being on Neil Thompson Speaks, Angela. Have a great day. Thanks, Neil. You too. All right. For this episode of Neil Thompson Speaks, once again, I'd like to thank Angela Copeland for calling in. Again, you all heard her contact information. I highly suggest getting in touch with her if you have any issues with careers and career coaching. Until next time, take care. <laughs>